Hey, how's everyone doing this afternoon, or this evening, rather, Sunday? Here on Barry's Hole Upstream number 32. Uh, 32 marks our eight-month triage here into this podcasting thing we've been doing. So glad to have all of you with us. We've got Alex, Brandon, Chad, and, of course, Chris from Craft Barry. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. I'd complain, but no one listens. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, Alex, uh, what, is it, what is it you... What is, it, what is it that you actually do right now with your developing? Are you more working on native applications or are you working on some other things as well? Uh, Alex? <laughs> Sorry, everyone's <laughs> mic is like choppy for me. Maybe my computer's blown up. Um, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, uh, what's your occupation? What's your background? Oh yeah, so I'm a front-end developer, and I do some BlackBerry Town app development on the side. Um, I made web design cheat sheet, and pretty much just run a web design and branding firm. You're staying busy there, Brandon. What about you? I'm uh, primarily my professional job is I'm a transportation planner. So the people that get big data, kind of similar to what they're trying to do with uh, what BlackBerry is trying to do with Project Dine, where they get lots of big data, and uh, kind of come up with trends and stuff like that. I do that for transportation, and I'm also a BlackBerry 10 developer. And Chad, what is it you do in your daily life? Um, full-time father and uh, hospitality within Disney. That's pretty much all I do. And a long-time user of BlackBerry. And Chris, I think all of us at this point know what you do. Uh, what's your latest helm? Uh, Editor-in-chief at CrackBerry.com and rampant Twitter ranter. (laughs) 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 Of course, uh, Editor-in-chief over at Barry's Flow doing our thing here. So we're going to get started on our topic list today. We've got a couple things to talk about. It's been an interesting week overall. Lots of rumor, lots of speculation, lots of people feeling some type of way about something that really isn't. (laughs) Uh, Let's get started talking about some of the BlackBerry takeover approaches been a lot of news about Samsung being interested, maybe going in on BlackBerry. Uh, just interesting overall. N4BB did an interesting kind of article summing up everyone who's been interested, and it was basically like the entire mobile market, basically. <laughs> Almost everyone was in. HTC. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know a name that wasn't on that list. Mm-hmm. Alex, what are your thoughts on on a BlackBerry takeover at this point in John Chen's kind of turnaround strategy? I think it's probably one of the worst times for. For, for BlackBerry for it to happen, I think. Um, thinking about the, what was it, the possible $9 takeover, Matt, it feels like it was a while ago, two years ago now maybe. I remember I was in my college uh, classroom when I heard the rumors, or heard they, they actually stopped the stock market and everything over it. So, and at that point in time, BlackBerry was in a really bad spot. They didn't really get much BlackBerry 10 traction, and it just really wasn't going over so well. So I guess that would have technically been like a decent time to be taken over. Um, well, even a lot of people disagreed with them being taken over that, there because it was like a really low price. So like now, BlackBerry, the tide is finally starting to turn. They have, you know, not as many people hate them for absolutely no reason. They have QNX and 50 million cars. Like they have a lot of good stuff going for them, and they're focusing more on cross-platform, which that wasn't even like really a thing two years ago. So I think they're in a great position to actually become a company that can grow and expand. Um, so right now, I think a takeover would be terrible. 
and they would have to pay a lot of money, I think, um, for it to make sense at this point in time right now. Yeah, in terms of a BlackBerry takeover right now, echoing what uh, Alex said, right now isn't really the best time for a takeover. What you're seeing now is Samsung and a whole bunch of companies wanting to like swoop in and, and, and kind of take all the, the patents in the company for, for cheap. Uh, they see the value that's getting unlocked. So, I mean, maybe John Chen's ultimate plan is to sell it further down the road, but there's still a long way where they can really maximize the amount of profit they get from a deal. Yeah, I don't think John Chen wants to essentially go ahead and sell out right now, especially, I mean, for some of the, what was the, uh, what was the Samsung price that was seven point five billion. Yeah, seven point yeah. five billion between thirteen and fifteen dollars to share. Yeah, which realistically isn't even reasonable for John Chen because he said that it would take a lot more money for them to go ahead and sell out. But I still think that they're, you know, at this point, he wants to go ahead and turn the company around a bit more and make it more profitable for them. There's nobody, you know, he doesn't want to go ahead and just sell it for pennies on the dollar when he knows it. He can get way more out of the deal if he just keeps doing on doing what he's doing right now. Doing on doing what he's doing. <laughs> That's his primary focus. Is. But, yeah. but, you're right, but you're right, Chris. At this point, I mean, just their trove of patents alone, it's kind of the last holdout stash of IP that there is out there. It yeah, and then, broad exactly. It covers such a broad spectrum of different things. Uh, going back to what Alex had mentioned on the whole acquisition or takeover talk, this is literally the worst time to be like, having those kinds of talks. <laughs> John Chen's plan, at least from a public perception point, it seems to be working, as Alex had mentioned earlier as well. I read a talking down the brand so much. Yeah, I read a I read an article that said that companies now now. They're looking to, to, to pick up patents everywhere they can because patents are basically a way of protect. Well, they've always been a way of protecting the company, but now with lawsuits being used as kind of an excuse to, to just keep your competitors busy, they're looking more and more to get more patents so that they can kind of avoid having to spend more and more money fighting off lawsuits. If you have the patent there, it's a lot quicker to fight off than having to go through a whole process to prove that your product is different than another one. It's easier to show that, hey, we have this patent, it does exactly what we do, boom, that's it. Yeah. The other thing the other thing to consider, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that it was mentioned somewhere, but I can't remember exactly where, but the Rockstar Consortium sold off a lot of patents, and BlackBerry had a lot of patents in that, so it makes me wonder... You know, it, it it would obviously take some deep research to find out what patents of Blackberries actually went with the sale of the Rockstar Consortium. So, you know, how much is the patent portfolio actually worth now? How much of that went with the Rockstar Consortium? And you know, what what level does Blackberry actually maintain at this point? But it, it seems like there's a lot of interest in their patent portfolio that they could profit off of if there ever was a takeover. I mean. I don't think the Rockstar Consortium took that much out of the patent profitability, I guess you could say. I don't imagine it would affect it too negatively, maybe longer yeah. term as some of those patents kind of die out. I, I believe as well they have some of those Certicom patents as well. Oh, yeah, they have a ton of Certicom yeah. patents. And NSA is actually using some of the Eclipse Curve technology 
in their own encryption. So definitely some high-powered players there, and definitely some interesting uh, IP overall. Let's talk. Let's move over onto 10.3.1.2072. This came out in a simulator, and shortly after we got an autoloader of it. <laughs> Anyone loaded it up on their device? I haven't even my my classics on the basic stuff. Alex, have you loaded on any of your devices? No, I've um, been trying to hold off on my Z30 right now. I'm running into a, like a decent amount of problems with memory and apps closing and stuff, but I really just don't want to have to wipe my device. Um, I'd rather just try and wait for the non-destructive update if that'll ever come. And is this a full OS then? Because you're saying it was a simulator OS. Yeah, it's yeah. a full OS. Okay. Actually, yeah. a full auto loader. Yep. No, no core files for using Blitz or anything of that. But yes, it is I'm just being patient. I don't want to wipe my device. This is going to sound incredibly daft, but I loaded it on a spare passport of mine. So I've been using it on a spare passport of mine. I didn't load it on the passport that I actually use. So. Well, I've been using it on my uh, daily driver passport. I loaded the other day. Um, it was glitchy at first, but honestly, it's smooth right now. Much better battery life than the other OSs that have been released. I got a loaner device, a uh, loaner passport device, and I don't think... Uh... BlackBerry would be too happy if I loaded on a public, <laughs> so I'm kind of holding off on that. So any other improvements that you've seen under the hood for those who have loaded it? I mean, you're talking better battery life? Better battery life, better memory. Honestly, the resources, um, it doesn't utilize as much of the CPU as well as the memory, from my experience. Um, I am using a daily driver. Yesterday I got 18 hours out of it. Uh, today I got uh, I unplugged it last night around 3 a.m. and then I have about 34 percent left right now. So what I'm device did you say you're using it on, Chad? Uh, passport. Oh, okay. And did you notice that there's like a little bit less screen flicker now as well? It was heavy in the beginning. The first couple days, I noticed it a lot when I was opening up the camera and when I was loading the apps from BlackBerry World, yeah. as well as Google Play. But after, I think, not yesterday or yesterday, like day three, I haven't seen it at all. It's been clear, smooth, works so much better, honestly, from other OSs. See, that makes me want to load it on my actual daily driver passport. <laughs> Is the screen flicker like a known thing? Because it happened to me the other day, and I thought it was just because I was doing something weird. But like now hearing you guys talk about, it, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, I think it, the OS. It comes I, from the drivers. Part of the part of the video drivers, I don't think, are fully optimized for the passport uh, okay. build thus yeah. far, anyways. At least on the builds that have leaked out, they may be corrected in later versions, but it just seems like they never bothered with trying to adjust them for the passport at this point anyways. Well, that's what 1154 wasn't really optimized for the passport at all. Yeah, everybody that's was running. Was like every day, every single app, the only time I'll actually get rid of the flickering was like doing a reboot. And then they'd come back on its own later on. <laughs> I'm glad there's at least something new out there. You guys think 2072, this latest leak, is something that may actually hit the carriers to deliver to us, or do you think we're going to end up with something older by the time the carriers actually push it out? I think we'll probably get something uh, a little bit higher for sure. Well, like, if the if the rumored date of January 27th 
ends up being true, then I mean, th we might get something a bit newer, but it's probably, I don't know, based on what you guys think, because you guys know a bit more about this, would would a newer OS really be able to go through the, the vetting and all that to get through by that time frame? Probably. Yeah, you'd, you'd think it would. I'm not entirely sure, to be quite honest. Maybe if it's a small incremental upgrade, they can get it kind of ring light quicker as opposed to a larger, more substantial update. Especially if they have been playing with some updates, some of the carriers. Yeah. You imagine they'd be able to ring light something pretty quickly. But you know their schedules are also kind of bizarre and wacky. <laughs> Speaking of bizarre and wacky, this, this classic rollout has continued across the globe. I mean, we got uh, India, Malaysia, and a couple other uh, regions there as well. Alex, I'm, I'm interested in asking you this, particularly in your line of work, being on your phone quite a bit. You're an all-touch guy, or would a classic actually interest you? I'm still trying to figure out like how much interest there actually is for a classic device. I haven't heard too many people or too many even Blackbird fans saying, oh, I really want a classic. I honestly, I've been just using my Z30, and I've been happy with it, and I have this Passport, which I still cannot use. I think I just need to get rid of it because I hate Verizon that I can't use this, but I would use the Passport as my daily driver. That is the one device that would get me back to um, physical keyboard, uh, but I don't think the Classic is that device for me. After having like the larger screen real estate, just dealing with emails and stuff, and I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of an all-touch person, but the rumored device that could possibly be coming out, if it has, you know, the one row of physical keys at the bottom and that allows you to pull down and actually get a full physical keyboard there, like, that is the perfect device for me. Like, that that will be the best of both worlds, and I'd be totally happy with that. Um, but, yeah, the classic, um, it's not really a device for me. Passport's more interesting to me. And Brandon, having done the same transition, kind of Alex was mm -hmm. talking about, going from Z30 to Passport, where, where do you stand on... What's your favorite type of input? It's um, I definitely like the wider, the wider screen on the passport. It's like they said, work wide. It's a lot easier to see files, uh, with documents and, and Excel files and stuff like that. Even for emails, it's, it's just easier. You get more more of the content on the screen at once. Um, the only thing is that I find that the uh, the typing while I am typing. Uh, my accuracy typing is is better. I don't make as many errors typing. The thing is, I find I'm I'm not quite as fast as I am with uh, with a virtual keyboard because the BlackBerry. Let's let's be honest. The BlackBerry 10 virtual keyboard is is really good for a virtual keyboard, and, and you can whip out paragraphs and stuff quickly with that. So right now, the Passport. I love everything about. It. I love the speed. I love everything about it. The only thing is, I find the the text input. For me personally, maybe I just need to get used to it a bit longer. Isn't quite at the level as the uh, virtual keyboard. And Chad, what about you? You made transition from Z10 to Passport. Is um, is it was it was a different. It was difficult at first, but having QWERTY keyboards or the keyboard prior to the Z10 kind of easily transitioned to get back into the habit of typing. Um, I have noticed I use more of the two-thumb typing. On occasion, I'll throw out just the one-hand typing on the Passport. It's just, for me, it was a big jump, but I'm glad I made that jump to the Passport. I've been waiting for a device like this for a long time. 
and Chris, what about you? You you didn't actually go with Classic as a daily driver, or you did for just a couple of weeks? <clears throat> I did it for pretty much the review period, and you know I still pick it up every now and then just to play around with it and stuff like that. But uh, on the regular, I use the Passport. I'm realistically, I'm not the target audience for the BlackBerry Classic at all because I'm totally over the trackpad. I can go from a full touchscreen device to a, a keyboard device pretty easily, but the Passport is what I would consider to be my ideal device because it gives me the big, large touchscreen touch and it gives me the keyboard. So it's it's a perfect in-between device, so I don't I don't need the full touch display, but I still have the enjoyment of the the keyboard. And to me, the classic just I'm I'm over the trackpad, I'm over the buttons, I don't need them. I, I can just fly just as easy on the passport as anything else. If anything, the classic probably slows me down because I'm no longer really used to that cramp style anymore. And it's, it was weird for me when I did my transition. I went from Z30 to Passport, and I got comfortable with the Passport, the Classic, as a daily driver, because the Passport I had kind of took a spill up Panera. <laughs> and now I, yesterday, I just for the day before, yesterday I uh, kind of ended up buying a red Passport. <laughs> Couldn't wait, had to get it, price was good. So I'll be back on Passport again. I honestly can fly on the Classic. I've gotten really comfortable with it since... Uh, I got it uh, maybe about a month, actually like just over a month ago. Um, I'm actually really, really upset that I'm going to be leaving the Classic. I like what the Passport has to offer, but there's something about the usability and the one-handed easy use on the Classic that I'm going to miss. And it, it just makes me want kind of maybe more from the touch-enabled keyboard. It, it seems like they built a lot of the smaller aspects of what that keyboard can do, but haven't really truly fleshed out all that it's capable of. Yeah. And I know we got tweeted at the ladies someone asking, you know, would you like a four row passport or a three row passport? And you mentioned, well, the four row passport, it's not really a passport anymore, is it? It's something else. Yeah, exactly. It's a brand new device. It, it, the pass the passport was concepted with a three row keyboard. That's what makes part at least part of it anyways. That's what makes it a passport. If you add a fourth row, then it's no longer a passport, it's something, you know entirely different at that point. They'd have to, you know, give it a different name or something. <laughs> I, I, I suggested a name out there. Did you I, I said <laughs> I don't I don't think they're gonna go for the class portion. <laughs> <laughs> what not to do. Just don't name it that and you'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well so, is the AT and T passport really a passport? Because it's kinda loses the corners. <clears throat> I guess uh, I don't, passport I don't think changing the shape of it is any different, but yeah, it's still a three-row three-row keyboard. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because if you look at an actual passport, it the left side where the actual border is is squared, it's squared off. Yet the edges are rounded. Yeah. So it's almost like, but if you put two passports together, you kind of have what an actual passport looks like in terms of the, <laughs> the shape and the cut and whatnot. So Chris, you did a really interesting article. It was more of like a uh, it was more like a list of suggestions to BlackBerry yeah. <laughs> I like to look at it, about how you could improve BBM channels. If you've got the posts up over there, I just want to want to talk about it. I know uh, our team back when we did our Confluence teams talked a lot about BBM in terms of things that could have improved for BlackBerry. Uh, what were some of your ideas, and how do you think that they would help benefit BBM channels? 
Uh, well, one of the very first things, of course, would be the adding the ability to you know upload any sort of extensive video because right now you can't really do anything with video at all. You know, you either have to post like a screenshot from a YouTube link and then share the YouTube link. So I think if there was you know maybe even a process for embedding YouTube videos or anything like that, um, even if BlackBerry had their own sort of process for uh, embedding videos, if they host videos or whatever the case may be, that would work as well. But obviously, people aren't going to want to do that. It's kind of like a, you know, you already have your content, so why not share it in there? So if they could uh, embed videos, that would be one of them. The definitely the ability to edit posts because I don't know how many damn times I go ahead and I. You know, I put out a post and then I'm like, ah, oh, screw it, I'm not going back and fixing that because there's a typo in it or, you know, I spelled something wrong or said something I shouldn't have, whatever the case will be. You, you didn't capitalize the second B and then everyone yeah. gets wrong about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the other one would be, uh, and this one was one that was essentially shared by many, and I, I have an interesting story behind this one as well. It would be uh, the ability to have uh, multiple administrators, uh, because I'm sure there's times when you know maybe you're busy and you don't have the opportunity to go ahead and post something to the Barry Flow channel, but maybe Alex is free doing nothing and he can just go ahead and post to it. Almost all the time. Almost yeah. All the, time. <laughs> um, the the interesting part of that is that for a long period of time, I was running the Crackberry channel directly using Kevin's BBID, so I had access to everything that was on his BBID because there was no support for multiple admins on there, so I was literally like just going to the web, accessing it directly that way. Uh, fortunately, they, they were actually, actually able to go ahead and get everything switched over for me, which was interesting in its own, but now I have like 5,000 messages coming through on the BBM channel every single day. Like, I don't even turn... Don't even turn notifications on anymore because it's constantly just pinging, and I'm like, ah. Um, the other one would be um, uh, improved BlackBerry Blend support because, as it stands right now, if you're using BlackBerry Blend, I can read all of the channels, I can comment through the channels, but I can't actually post through there. I still have to use my device, or I still have to, you know, go to the BBM channel's website in order to access any of that, uh, which, you know, that just, it seems like a missing step. Like, why should I have to do that? If, if, if I can see the channels and I can comment through Blend, why can't I post through Blend as well? Especially with the integration of your device because you have, you know, you have a lot of the stuff that you want to share on your device, like pictures and stuff like that, um, plus the integration with your computer a lot of stuff that you want to share through BBM channels is likely on your computer, you know, so you want to be able to go ahead and post that. Um, a standalone shortcut, most people would probably, I believe this was actually one of your recommendations, James, um, and I find myself liking that idea because realistically I forget sometimes that BBM channels is even there, like you just... You know, it's not constantly in your face, and then sometimes you forget that it's there. So some people want a dedicated shortcut that would, you know, give them their message indicators like the, the BlackBerry Hub 
or the, the text messages icon. People want that so that they're reminded to, hey, you know, actually use channels. Uh, of course, that if they do implement that, it should be optional so people can delete it mm-hmm. or at least hide it away. Um, and the other thing is uh, web APIs because you know how um, Twitter, you know, you can essentially share a Twitter post on your own personal website, whatever the case may be. You can embed a Facebook post. You can embed a uh, Instagram photo. But when it comes to channels, channels are locked inside of channels. There's realistically no way to be able to go ahead and share those things outside of on your device or through the BBM channel website, whatever the case may be. So, you know, that would be that would go a very long way in getting people recognizing channels on a regular basis because hey, this what is this BBM channels? And like why why was this post shared from BBM channels plus? You know, it's just simplicity at that point. You know, you're helping spread the word. You're getting the messages out. And you're being able to go ahead and share these things, and hopefully attract more attention to everybody's personal BBM channels, or whatever. Um, so those are are just a few things. I don't, you know, I gathered those from James and a few other people to be able to go ahead and put the list together. But yeah, um, one of the other things is the essentially the monetization of BBM. Um, through BBM channels because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of uh, organizations out there now that are using BBM channels and, you know, they'd want to be able to go ahead and sell these things. You know, you can use affiliate links or whatever the case may be um, to possibly turn some profit that way. But if there was a way for, you know, me to be able to go ahead and just simply buy a product directly through a BBM channel, that would be that would be huge, you know, integrated with PayPal or, um, you know, DBM payments, whatever the case may be, that would be perfect, you know, if I see something that I want to buy, if I want to buy an accessory or something like that, just tap on buy and there you go, it's added in my card. And, and, and that's such a brilliant point to mention, especially in the mobile landscape that we have now where people are sending money across Snapchat and all these other bizarre yeah. services. I mean, BlackBerry already has kind of this back end where you're connected to through your BlackBerry ID, different payment services, even through your carrier. So they've already kind of got that back end. I always wondered why the BBM shop was titled shop and not something else. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, something more media focused in terms of what they're doing there. And imagine if you're a BBM channel and you have some featured type of content that you're selling and that stuff shows up in the BBM shop and then just if you buy a sticker, you're able to buy whatever, something off Amazon, you know, the latest good or whatnot from a brand. So absolutely, I think it's a, a really awesome idea, and I'd love that kind of integration. BlackBerry, I mean, with BBM at this point, it's all about expanding. It's all about growth. They need to start seizing some of those opportunities. Alex, is, is BBM money something you actually use? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that you, you brought that up, like connecting BBM money with BBM channels, because, like, if you look at some of these services that have blown up fairly large, um, like Twitch, for instance, and they have like this whole donate aspect to it where you can subscribe to your channel for it's like $5 a month, or you could donate if you like the content they're giving. Same with YouTube. They've created these channels where you can donate for content that you like. So I wonder if they can add that as an avenue within BBM channels. So someone who is um, giving out good content, Crackberry or Berry Flow or whatever, like shouldn't people be able to donate to you? Like That would be kind of cool, and that could work through BBM, through BBM money. I think that'd be an interesting aspect to it all. 
Um, and that could even bypass ads. So, like, if, if BlackBerry made a portion of the donation, then they wouldn't even need to have ads on the platform because they could be making enough money from that. Like, it's, it's a different kind of avenue. But, yeah, BBM Money, I'm, I'm really excited for it, um, if ever it does end up coming out, because oftentimes, like, I've gone out to dinner or whatever with friends and... Um, sometimes I need to spot them some money, and they never end up paying me back, and <laughs> it's kind of frustrating. Um, but like, whether they don't have a few dollars in their pocket, like here, it's like okay, if it's tied to your bank account or tied to your credit card, or whatever. Like, you don't have an excuse. You could send me the the six seventy three or whatever that I that I spent on you or whatever. So, I don't know. I think it, it'd be a great thing. I'm using I think you Square. Need to reassess your yeah. friends first, though. <laughs> not all my friends. Some of my friends. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Chad, what about you? Is BBM money and ex- extending it through channels an avenue for improvement you'd like to see BlackBerry uh, kind of go through? Well, I could see it more towards like corporations or sites like Berry Flow, Crackberry to get those donations or get those uh, revenue via that way. But like on my end, as more of a personal account, I don't really see it as a monetary value. But yeah, you know what? People will post YouTube videos and get the the value from there, and I could see it kind of improving from that point. But um, I don't see it more on my end because I don't use it as much. But I could see it more on, like for example, Berry Pozen or Crackberry side, other companies. I don't know what I'd sell. I mean, people keep wanting the shirts, and it's like. Uh... There's only one, so we're going to have to cut it in pieces. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll split it up for you guys. <laughs> Everyone gets a little bit of this shirt. <laughs> so closing out here, last thing I wanted to talk about was some of the developer metrics that Brandon actually uh, put up in an article on Barry's Flow. He's talking about passport success in terms of some of the other devices that have been in market a lot longer and not seen in the same penetration numbers. Brandon, uh, what were some of the metrics that you saw? So some of the metrics I saw in terms of the Passport was that I compared it with the Z30 release about three months after release, the numbers that I got based on downloads. And and let me just say, this is by no means a concrete, you know, representation of what's going on. It's just based on my my view as a developer, what I'm seeing through my app. Um, What I was seeing is that during the Z30 release, we saw maybe around, uh, I think the, the... the amount of downloads that were coming from the U.S. was around 7%. And then when I looked at the Passport data, it was about 18% of the downloads were coming from the U.S., which is a huge change. And as we remember, in the U.S., um, the Z30 wasn't released for a couple of months, and even then it was an exclusive to Verizon, and they didn't really do much with it, and people couldn't really buy it from Shop BlackBerry or other means. And conversely, what we see is that BlackBerry's learned quite a few things from that release. And with the Passport release, they allowed people in the U.S., even though it's not actually released on any carrier in the U.S., they're able to purchase it from Shop BlackBerry, Amazon. So when you're seeing all, when I'm seeing all these numbers in the U.S., those are people who, don't actually, who aren't actually buying it from their carrier. They're buying it from Shop BlackBerry or Amazon, which is a huge token of confidence if I were BlackBerry looking at those. But like I said, it's not completely representative, but I'm sure BlackBerry has some data that can support some of this stuff. It's very interesting in terms of 
kind of the whole change in their e-commerce strategy. I mean, they had the devices on a six-month lag. The device would come out, and six months later, it would hit Shop Blackberry. Now it's like day one, it's available online for you to purchase. And that really, I think, has helped the momentum on some of these latter device launches. Having that availability is key. Yeah, and they've also, as we saw, is the, the Z30 kind of, it came out at the same time, the, the white and the black came out at the same time, and what BlackBerry did this time with the Passport is they, they released the, uh, the black version initially, and then they did a staggered release for the white version, and then the red version. So that got a whole bunch of people likely to, to be like, oh, I didn't like the black version, but oh, there's this brand new white one, or there's this limited edition red one. And people like James, who uh, who break their uh, passport, end up buying a limited edition red one. <laughs> Gotta get the upgrade. Gotta get the upgrade. I have a, a Red Z10 that I have never turned it on. <laughs> I always just look at it like it's this is a little piece of iPad. You take some photos with it and things like that. But mm-hmm. this will be the first red device that I've actually turned on and actually used. So that'll be that'll be a big thing for me. <laughs> I think BlackBerry was smart to actually start putting the devices on there. I mean, they didn't at at this point they didn't they probably didn't have much of a choice but to sell them directly. But the fact that they used to do it many years ago, previously you used you used to be able to go to the blackberry.com website and buy unlocked 8820s and stuff like that previously. And then as they're carrier relationship sort of grew, they stopped selling them directly unless it was, you know, through business channels and stuff like that. But previously, you used to be able to buy a device directly from BlackBerry and use it on whatever carrier, and then they cut it out. But now that they're in the situation, they've gone ahead and they've started putting those devices back online and putting them in the hands of people because, you know, over time, the situation in how people purchase devices has actually changed as well. Uh, I think there's a little bit more of a better approach for people who don't want to be tied to a carrier anymore or anything like that. They just want to buy their device and not have to worry about carrier agreements. Of course, carrier agreements are still the bulk sale, but you know there there are people out there like us who don't mind paying and they want that freedom of being without a carrier. And you know, if I if I do, if I get mad at Rogers at any given point in time, I can just tell him to go screw off and just take my device elsewhere. And, mm-hmm. You know, I can go to Bell or I can go to Telus, and I don't really have to worry about it, unless here. it's Verizon. You know, and, or and here, here, people like Alex, you know, they are cornered in by Verizon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the CDMA network, it's interesting. Speaking on Brandon's perspective on the whole developer side, now. We have both AT&T and Verizon supporting a BlackBerry device in unison. You know, they're likely going to be launching it and supporting it around the same time. Cross-carrier in the U.S., and it's the classic. It's not the Passport, you know. As many of us suspected, you think they would want the front-runner, the all-star that BlackBerry has, the Passport. But no, both have opted to bring in the classic into the fray. So I wonder what the percentage of downloads is going to be for you when those devices officially hit. Yeah. Maybe it'd be an interesting follow-up post for you, Brandon, to see what the classic sales are like. I think Passport is shining, outshining a lot of the other devices that BlackBerry has right now, even the Z30, in terms of what you get kind of right out of the box with it. So definitely an interesting perspective on that. I want to see more in terms of what the overall metrics are 
and some of the other devices as well. I mean, did the Q5 really get any market penetration? No. I mean, I don't even know of, like, carriers in the U.S. that even knew about it, let alone supported it. And I, I imagine around the world it wasn't a lot better. Um, in Canada, was it something that was on the shelves? Uh, it was on the shelves in yeah. some stores, but I don't think that, you know, it, it was never pushed to the front of the line to say, hey, this is the new BlackBerry. It was always regulated to, like, budget lines like Virgin Mobile and stuff like that. Yeah. And quickly after they started, like, selling it, like, a few months after they started, like, selling it off contract pretty cheap because I, I, I don't imagine it was selling that well. Yeah, it just seemed like a device that, you know, didn't really have much push from anywhere other than BlackBerry blogs saying, hey, this is a cheap device for BlackBerry 10 if you want to go pick it up. Yeah, about five. I, I just looked it up. Six percent of my downloads for the past three months are from Q uh, fives. So I mean, it's not a terribly small number. That's still like it's somewhat significant, but it's still really small. It's definitely more than the classic, though. So <laughs> what what are some of the highest percentages you guys have in terms of the penetration? Z10 or oh, Z10 by far. Yeah, Z10 is like over fit for my app personally. It's over fifty percent. Do you guys yeah. see any Z th- uh, Z3s? I know it's not really in North America, but do you guys see it? Um, check right now. I, I don't see too many, personally. Z3. Um, and that's it, it. Makes me wonder. I mean, people are obviously <laughs> they, people have bought the Z10. They really like it. They want that follow-up. In the Manitoba, the Rio, it's not really that. You know, it's not a Z10 upgrade at all. Really, more like a Z3 upgrade. No. I, still yeah. I still think there's a user base that would appreciate a smaller, compact, all-touch device with better specifications. Yeah. And I'm, it, like with my app, too, it might be kind of a maybe a cultural difference thing. There might be, like, a, um, data rates might be higher, and so people, instead of using a GPS app like mine, maybe in, in Indonesia there's fewer people that, that use apps like those. <coughs> Yeah, and I, I have more um, Q5 downloads than I do Z3. I have about 5% Z3, and it was 5.8% for um, the Q5. So it's really, it's close, it's on par with the Q5, but... Is, and to be, is the yeah. Z10, Alex, for you, is that your, your largest... Yeah, share? the Z10 is definitely the lion's share of it. Um, then the Z30 and the Passport are now pretty much the exact same they're, like, identical, which it's funny because the, the Z30 has been out for, you know, how long now? It feels like two or three <laughs> years, but not really. Um, yeah, but the Passport has Yeah, so the Passport hasn't been around too long. So the fact that the Passport has already caught up with the Z30, that's saying something about the Passport or that's saying something bad about the Z30, one of those two, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. But so. I think it's probably good for the Passport numbers. So. Yeah. The Z30 just kind of like, I don't know, just kind of fell out. Like, you guys remember that event in Indonesia where they announced yeah. it? It was like a little, a little mm-hmm. TV, like a little room. It wasn't very like hoo-ha, making a big noise about it. So it totally came at a bad time. But what just, it, it's terrible because the Z30 is like, it's great. It's a great device. It has great battery. It's all touch. I mean, yeah, it's a fantastic device. It just never got much hoopla because. 
it just came at the very wrong time. That was that was when they were telling talks of like selling the company and all this yeah. other stuff, yeah. all around that same time. So if that Z if that Z thirty was released now with obviously some updated specs, more in line with the passport or something like that, people would be all over it. Aside yeah. from the fact you know that they wanted a new brand new all touch device anyways, but you know yeah. if 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 it received the same sort of love and passion that the Z thirty or sorry the passport and the classic have, it would it would totally Rock. <laughs> People would love it. Do you and think it'll continue with the book? So Go ahead. No, I just find it so interesting that in terms of like BlackBerry being a company that builds QWERTY devices, most of their users are probably on an all-touch device. <laughs> yeah. In terms of BlackBerry 10, at least. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I found it amazing. Chad, what were you going to mention before I? No, I was going to say because the Z30 was an OLED display, right? Do you think they'll continue on with that style or straight, uh, stay with the LCD? Because the screen on the Passport's phenomenal. Um, I haven't really seen the classic, so I can't really say too much about that. But the Z10 was beautiful. The Passport's gorgeous. And then when we met up um, a few months ago, James, I liked the display on the Z30, but honestly, it didn't really attract me to like wanting the device. I think the Z30 OLED screen at that size, that aspect ratio, with 10.3 official optimized for it, can be a freaking phenomenal device. The screen technology, in terms of the viewing angles, it's a little bit falls a little bit short. Some of it, some of it's oversaturated and undersaturated in other things. Yeah. But I really like that screen. There's something about it. Blues, dark colors look awesome on it. It depends on how picky you are. If you're someone reading a lot, you need a passport. You need that LCD, the really high pixel density. I was quite okay with the Z30 as a media device, playing games, watching videos. Thought it was perfect, and it didn't like overdo it on specs. Because again, that's just that's stuff that just eats the battery, right? Yeah, there was there was never a point where I looked at the Z30 screen and said, "Oh man, I wish this was better." It was it was always reasonable. Like I liked it. The only thing that kind of sucked about it was uh, using it in like direct sunlight. That mm -hmm. was terrible. It's pretty much non-visible at that point. But you know, a lot of devices are that way, anyways. Mm -hmm. The Passport doesn't really suffer from that, so. Yeah, the password is such a larger battery as well. I mean, yeah, things, yeah. things are <laughs> Well, I think we covered all the topics we needed to cover today. I mean, there are some things that could be said in terms of Samsung and BlackBerry. There were some articles on Mashable, on The Verge, the usual suspects that kind of looked at it as if Samsung was going to get a huge benefit from buying BlackBerry. When really, I don't think BlackBerry gets much from that deal at all, especially mm -hmm. one especially a lowball offer like 7.5. As we close, I just want to hear what you guys would put as your price tag for BlackBerry. What do you think is a number that would get Chen's attention and actually be reasonable for Samsung to pay? Look at Motorola. Look at WhatsApp and how many billions they went for. Considering some of BlackBerry's uh, IP and their patents and all these other things, Alex, what do, you, what do you think a price tag for BlackBerry would be reasonable? Um... Jeez, I don't know. I just I, I feel like it's just such a screwed up time to even try and value BlackBerry because like you know, like BBM right now it's not at the best spot, but they're really trying to work out and revamp and like get it native to the platform. Um like there's not even the native uh BBM for Android yet. Like it's native but it doesn't look native. So like they're really in a transition stage for that, and then I feel like once they figure out monetization in BBM, BBM will be worth so much more money if they can actually make money from it. 
So I I don't even have a number because I don't I don't know if it's fair. I, I can't think of what would make sense because we don't really know what the value of what they have is really worth yet until they start showing some profits from it. They I'm have sorry, IM, they answer, have, but they have IM companies going for IPOs that have like 300, 400 million active users. <laughs> so you have a BlackBerry at a fourth of that, you know, mm -hmm. or three fourths mm -hmm. of that, or you know, 75 percent less than that. With their market share right now, it is it is very interesting as you mentioned, Alex, because they're really monetizing DBM outside of the consumer scope at this point, they're focusing on DBM protected and some of maybe the DBM premium features as well as the ad platform that they have that they've scaled across the globe. It's a hard number. Brandon, what about you? Could you peg a number for BlackBerry with all of its assets, and what would it be yeah. to get Chen's attention? As an investor, I would like to see if it was sold at this moment in time. I'd like to see maybe $20 a share. Um, so around... Around $10 billion. Yeah, around something like that. And then we would, like, the reason I say that is just because in light of everything that's happened with the interview, um, PlayStation hacks, I think there's a lot more value that can be placed on the security patents and, and other security features that BlackBerry does do and is at the forefront of. And as we just progress and more things come online, especially with the Internet of Things, I think there's going to be a lot, I think the value of the security um, behind those things that BlackBerry can provide is just a lot higher than what what it's being valued at currently. Right. That security value has not yet been unlocked because there's still a lot ignorant of the value of that security. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a point where people are going to realize that it's worth it to spend a bit more in security to save billions in the long run instead of having to play catch-up and, and, you know, Cover up for for all these things for, for people hacking you and stuff like that. And it's and in the short run, <laughs> yeah, in the short has run. the and in the short run, Bez twelve has the lowest cost of ownership anyway. So yeah. there's really no excuse. What about you, Chris? If you had to put a number on it, we close out here. What would be your number for Blackberry? I'd go with Brandon's. Like it somewhere is in between ten, fifteen billion for sure. Because like Brandon said, some of the the security potential hasn't been recognized yet. So I would. I'd make I'd give them another five billion just based off of that security potential anyways. Give them ten, fifteen billion dollars and I think John Chen would be interested at that point in time. He'd be like ten billion more and we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's been an interesting conversation, gentlemen. I really appreciate having you guys on. This has been very full upstream number thirty two. You guys take care. Take it easy. Later. Take care, everyone. Take it easy.